Welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. I'm Tim Barron, your host, and this is a show where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing and explain how we can help you get more leads and how to help you get new clients. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to up your business development game with our very special guest, Rich Bracken. Hi, Rich. How's it going, Rich, Tim? <laughs> How's it going, Rich? How's it going, Tim? <laughs> um, all right. Rich will identify some of the common obstacles that we face when we're trying to not just do business development for ourselves, but trying to pitch to attorneys on how they can uh, implement some of the business development efforts, how to identify those obstacles, and how to overcome them. But uh, before we get started, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and how to make it work for your law firm? If so, go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital marketing audit. The audit will provide you with all of the information you need to get digital marketing to produce the results you want. Alrighty, let's get to some learning. <laughs> hey, class is in session, right? Class is in session, but hey, Rich, let me uh, introduce you first. Sure. Um, so Rich Bracken is the business development manager at the law firm of Stinson Leonard Street. Uh, Rich is the co-chair of the Legal Marketing Association of Kansas City, and he's a frequent speaker and writer on leadership and communication topics with a focus on goal achievement. And Rich is also a monthly contributor to Fox News in Kansas City. So in other words, he's an all hat at this, uh, speaking on motivational self-improvement and leadership topics. That's a, that's a mouthful. It, it truly is a mouthful. And thank God I have a big mouth because I can, I can do all those things and, and still keep my head on straight. So <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. I'm glad to be here. It's a real pleasure having you. And, you know, just before uh, the podcast, we, Rich and I were talking about, uh, about podcasts in general, and we're, we're podcast geeks and we listen to a lot of pod, podcasts and we love doing them. And maybe towards the end of the, the show, I'll ask you for some of your favorites and uh, we'll put them in the show notes. So, Perfect. Rich, what are, what's the biggest myth that you feel needs to be debunked when working with attorneys on business development? It's something that's still fraught today, even after all of these years when law firms know that they have to go away from a partner being the gravy train of clients and every attorney responsible for business development. Well, you know, I think the, the biggest myth that needs to be put to bed is that that business development is not sales or that sales is not part of the legal business development process. We literally, as people, sell ourselves every single day, every single minute. We're all individual walking brands. And if you're not selling yourself, then you're A, not talking and probably not talking is a good way to not sell yourself. But truly, I think when you when you use the word sales in a law firm, it's you might as well be walking into a, a house full of vampires with a garlic necklace. <laughs> I mean, it is truly something that makes people. I've seen attorneys physically cringe at the word sales, and it, and it's you know I, I want to debunk and separate sales from the you know when you think about traditional movies or TV shows or somebody that sold you on something. So car you know no, no disrespect to car salesmen, there's some great ones out there. But you know, that's the typical stereotype. So I think it's getting away from that 
and having them understand that they are literally selling themselves every single minute of every single day. So they can't not call themselves salespeople because they, they're living, breathing, walking salespeople. We all are. In your experience working in a law firm, well, you know, Rich, before we even get to that, I, mm -hmm. I realized that we had, uh, because sometimes it's good to have some context. We almost mm -hmm. we have like different journeys to get to marketing in the legal profession. Like I've been in the legal profession for like a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. and I came to marketing, right? So it's a, I, I, I was a librarian, I was in, in different roles, but you are a marketing uh, expert and then you came to legal as a marketer. How, mm -hmm. how did you choose legal as a vertical and what, what's, how do you, what's your experience been like? Well, you know, truly, I, I do have a, a corporate marketing and sales background. So I've, I've done everything from uh, medical sales and I was an orthopedic sales rep out of, out of school. So I cut my teeth really early, which I've got some phenomenal stories about that. Um, I, I, that was my first job out of college. And so through my career, I've actually, you know, worked in marketing or, or business development or sales in some major corporations around the country. And so coming into the legal field, it was actually very interesting. And I, and I can be candid about this because I heard it quite a bit at LMA National in Vegas a couple weeks ago or about a month ago now, is that the legal industry is, is a little bit behind corporate marketing. Now, I see a, you know, in the last few years since I've been in the legal field, I've seen a, I've seen a rapid catch up. Uh, but I feel like there's still some things that are a little bit differentiated between corporate marketing and legal marketing. And I, when, I, when I chose the legal field to, to extend, in, you know, extend my career into the legal field as far as marketing and business development goes, you know, part, of, part of it was fulfilling my parents' wish that I would become a lawyer, which I, I, <laughs> I figured out really quickly there was a lot of reading involved, so I wasn't going to be a lawyer by anytime soon. Um, so, so by happenstance, I landed in a law firm so I can call it a day that I, that I fulfilled their dream. I digress, but I, you know, it, I think the legal profession is such a fascinating one because it's a great blend of theory. So you can take the theory and the data of marketing and, and debate all kinds of different approaches and things like that. But when it comes down to it, you're dealing with a lot of really logical people and it's a lot of pointed data-driven fact-driven information. And so you really, I think we as legal marketers really have to have a stronger game when it comes to selling, especially internal processes or internal campaigns to get the, to get our leadership and to get our attorneys to buy into things. Because I have seen over the last three years where you can walk in and say, here, here's a great concept. Here's some things that support it. Let's go. There's that pushback and they say, well, Let's, let's, you know, let's look at the time aspect and let's look at this and I need some proof points of this. And, and it's, it's a lot more critical on what you should go do as opposed to we have a really good momentum concept in theory that we want to run with. Okay, ready, go. Um, it's been a, a much bigger challenge and, and it's made me as a corporate to legal marketer stop and think about different campaigns or different approaches or different uh, techniques that I want to work with my attorneys on. And, and so I, truly, I, I feel like as much as we all kind of talk around the, the water cooler and the campfire about how we're a little bit behind corporate marketing, truly, I feel like the legal marketing industry is, is, is stocked with amazing talent because we have to prove our points a little bit better and because we have to take that extra step of, of, of uh, proof. Truly. I mean, it's been, for me, it's been a revelation mm -hmm. in talking to, not just to 
uh, attorneys who market themselves, let's say solos and small firms, but going into large law firms and head of marketing departments and business development and client development. And it's the talent that's there is astounding, right? Um, oh, it is. It, it really is. And, uh, and I think I, I, I have to feel that lawyers and law firms are starting to recognize the value. I mean, they have to, right? Because we're in what I think is generally considered a buyer's market now for legal services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is now a time more than any, and granted, I don't, I don't have quite the tenure of, of most of my colleagues in the legal industry, but the shift from a, from a, a firm-driven market to a client-driven market, even more so than it ever has been at this point, because, you know, let's be honest, firms have gotten a lot smarter about how they do business, and they've gotten a lot more efficient about how they work with law firms. And truly, you have to differentiate. And, and I talk about this all the time with my attorneys. You have to differentiate what you do. If you are just another person who sends another bill because you do a certain service, that's not enough anymore. You have to differentiate your client service, your communication. You have to differentiate why your service is better, why your touch points are better, why your team is better, why your firm is better. And those are critical points. And what is that? That's sales and marketing. And if you don't have those things in your, in your arsenal as an attorney to go in and, and either expand business with a current client or take on a new client, then you're truly missing out on, on a, a ton of opportunity to expand your book of business and, and grow the revenue of the firm. So as a law firm marketer, let's say in a large firm, or even if you as a, let's say a consultant or someone is going and trying to convince an attorney at the firm that they need to start doing some business development, how do you go about doing that? What are some of the best practices? Maybe are there statistics that you can cite? Are there um, case studies? Like, how do you go about? It? Because there, there still is some resistance to that. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's always, and I, I don't think I think the one statistic I would love to see happen is that 100% of attorneys love business development and they love sales and they love marketing. And I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a very positive thinker, so I, I want to think that we're going to get to that point. But I think it's a gradual push, right? So. The, you know, there's several different things. One, as marketers, the most valuable thing that we can ever get is a referral. And so if you have somebody, and I look at this in an, in an internal standpoint, if you have an attorney that you've worked with, if you have an attorney that has seen growth in their business because of the work that you've done with them on a consultative basis or just a coaching basis or working with them on a, on a prospect pitch or a, a client meeting or whatever the case may be, using that individual as a, as your internal advocate for those, those naysayers. And, you know, I've, that's something that I've leveraged over the past several years and saying, you know, this person may not be, they, they may not be completely resistant to it, but they're on the fence. They're not quite sure because at the end of the day, and you and I talked about this earlier, everybody doesn't have enough time. So you need to convince them why their time is, is valuable to spend on this and why they should bother when they, you know, literally attorney's time is money. And so you better come with a really good uh, prospect of ROI, but to have that internal advocate in your back pocket and have them vouching for, yes, this stuff works. Here's what it's done for my book of business. You need to listen to this person. They're going to give you the tips and tricks that you need to grow your business with the least amount of time investment 
and the highest ROI on, on effort as possible. Um, you know, it, being, being a, a salesperson and, and, and having done that in the past, you know, the, the persistence of sales and positioning for anybody is, is critical. And if you think about it, you know, I kind of look at it and, and I wish we had, I'm, I'm doing really good graphics with my hands right now. I'm, I'm, I'm miming what my graph would look like and it looks really odd on camera. So I'm glad you actually can't see me right now. Uh, but I think it's critical to say that no matter what your client base looks like from an attorney standpoint, whatever your book looks like, you're never in a bad situation if you have a full pipeline. And you can't build a full pipeline unless you're doing business development. Because, and I've, I've seen it firsthand, and I know that we all have, have seen it with our own firms and our own, own attorneys, something changes, be it the market, be it um, the, the direction of counsel from a corporate standpoint. You know, we've seen a lot of, and this is industry-wide, a lot of companies that have said, you know, we're, we're dealing with way too many law firms, we need to cut back. So when is that going to happen to your attorneys or your firm? Or, you know, don't think that the other shoe can't drop at any minute. Uh, don't think that you're never, you're never going to be put on, on notice for saying, hey, you need to prove your value because we're, we're consolidating. So if you're not building that pipeline appropriately and you're not building the right contacts, you can be scrambling. And there's nothing worse, and I've had this happen before in a previous, in a previous role, uh, previous life outside of legal marketing where you have a huge client and that is your, that is your bread and butter, that is your main flagship client, and something happens and you're not prepared to backfill that revenue or backfill that profit, that's when things go south. And there is nothing worse in business development or sales than a desperate person because it comes through and we've all, I'm sure we've all had our touch point with somebody who was really desperate to sell, somebody who was really pushy. And that comes out whether you like it or not. So I can relate to that. When I, when I left Law Firm Life in uh, 2008, I started a consultancy and I did all the wrong things for three years. <laughs> I did a couple of right things. It's lasted for three years, but you really, it was all about like that pipeline. It's so important. We don't think mm -hmm. about that. We just, we tend to think about the clients that we currently have and they're not going to last forever. You know, we got to think about the right. pipeline is one of the things that we've heard a lot of recently here at Good To Be Social, we've, we've talked and we've written a lot about thought leadership mm -hmm. um, and about content and about speaking, doing podcasts like this. Um, and lawyers are starting to ask more questions about that. Is that a way to, is that a, is that, a way that you can develop your business development efforts and pipeline, so to speak? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am one of the biggest proponents of not just social media, but what can you do from a multimedia standpoint? You know, I think the, the critical value of doing this is it's, it, it, it's kind of like doing, it's kind of like an investment. So if you make an investment and you're getting an interest rate on that investment, the money is working for you, right? So if you are doing social media, if you're writing a blog, if you're doing a presentation, if you're doing a video, if you're doing a podcast, whatever, that, whatever medium is most comfortable for you, that is out there working for you while you're doing other things. And so that's one thing that I've worked with uh, a lot of my attorneys very hardcore is, let's find one, the, the channel that is going to play to your strength. If you're a terrible speaker, let's not think about presentations or let's not think about podcasts or videos. Let's focus on your writing. Do you wanna get better at speaking? We can get you training. 
Um, but if your strength is in writing, let's look at the opportunities there. If you are a great speaker, um, I feel personally that if you have an attorney that is an incredible speaker, that, that is you know, somebody that you enjoy listening to, that you would want to listen to their podcast if they had one because they were just, they have this smooth jazz voice and just natural way about them. I feel like that personal element. So if you think about, you know, going back to what I said earlier about differentiation, if you have, you know, companies are getting what, 50, 50 plus emails a day from law firms about breaking news and breaking cases. And this is why you should do business with us. So what are you doing to set yourself apart? And I feel like if you put the voice and or a face behind your knowledge, you are separating yourself from the pack. And it's the consistency and building relevancy. And if I'm just another attorney who's just sending out another alert because it's what I'm supposed to do because in my industry, this breaking news came down and I better get something out or else I'm going to be shamed for not, do something more thoughtful. Put together a, a five-minute podcast. Record your voice and work with your marketing and business development team to, to get something put out. It's, it's just that easy. I think that is a, one, of the, one of the most underutilized areas but I, you know, in, in keeping tabs on my, on the market, you really are start, starting to see an uptick in, in both um, audio and video, uh, visual contact content. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you talk about audio, visual contact, um, content. See, you had me saying contact. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you. I tricked you, you into saying it. You sure did. <laughs> so, and it's this sort of diversity of content um, and, and how they're all interconnected. So for instance, if someone speaks, or you hear someone on a podcast, or, you, or, you, or they wrote an article, you automatically, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of, I do, and I, do, I know a lot of folks do, you go on to Twitter, do they have a Twitter feed? You wanna follow them, you mm -hmm. wanna learn from them, um, mm -hmm. because you appreciate it so much. So you do have to have a lot of these things going. Is it, so, so how, when you sit down with an attorney, mm -hmm. they might say, look, there's so many different things to do, I don't have the time. We, we touched on this earlier. Right. Like how, how do you prioritize in order to, to get that business development going, to have all of these assets, if you want to call them, in order to get that business development rolling? Sure. You know, one, I think you really need to identify, are they currently doing anything, even if it's minimal, even if they have a Twitter account and they have two followers and they're following three people they've got it set up. So you're already one step in the right direction there. So sit down with them and identify where they possibly already have an account set up or have something set up, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or, or whatever the case may be, ask them very candidly. And, and these are to me the most enjoyable conversations to have. What do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known as, as a great presenter? Great. Let's go that route. Do you want to be known as a great podcaster? Okay, let's go that route. But finding out what they want to do, one, you're fighting the battle of resistance before it even happens. So if, if you tell me, if you come to me and say, hey, Rich, you know, I want to help you build your business development. And I say, great, you know, Tim, I, I, I really enjoy you know, speaking and presenting and I love podcasts. Great. Let's go build that instead. Because there's nothing worse than saying, you know, let's, let's all go back to our, our childhood days. There's nothing worse than being told what to do when you don't want to do it. And you're not going to get one, even if you do it, you're not going to do it with the same amount of passion. You're not going to do it with the same amount of interest. So come to me, figure out what I want to do or where my strengths lie and play to those. So again, you know, if it's in, and I, I won't get into this right now, but one of my favorite topics to talk about right now 
is deconstructing and reconstructing content. So to that point, you know, one, just one quick example, and we can dive into this more if you want to, but if you take a presentation, if somebody really wants to do a presentation, they're going to spend a good amount of time building the content, creating the slides, working with you to make sure that it's all tied in together. Maybe they're working with a presentation coach. That's a lot of time investment. Now, can they take part of that and deconstruct that overall? So if you kind of look at this as the, as the here, here I go with the, the invisible hand images again. Um, if you go with the presentation as the top line, large piece of content of which you can break off pieces to create subsequent additional content, you're not having to recreate the wheel. You're actually getting higher ROI on the effort because you're able to leverage it in different channels. So for example, if you have, uh, if you work with your attorney who's going to go do a presentation, say I'm working with you, Tim, and you're going to present an association conference. Okay, great. Let's do a rehearsal. Let's capture some of the audio of you rehearsing some of your lines. And then maybe we create a quick five minute or two minute video, like a static video with your picture or um, a SoundCloud soundbite, whatever you can do, put that on the firm LinkedIn page. You know, coming soon, you know, Tim is going to go present at uh, the, the bank director conference and here's a quick snippet of what he's going to talk about. You play the audio. For more information, go to our website and we can actually, you know, put you, you put the link to the event, you put the link to your bio and all of a sudden you've now created additional content and an additional channel off of one effort. So it's, it's all about finding those additional ways that you can tear out that content for, for um, deconstructing it and finding more higher ROI on it. So I can agree more, uh, Rich. We call that cope. We have a we have a term for it. So C O P E, which is create once, publish everywhere. <laughs> Love it. Right. I, I can, yeah, right. It, it, it helps them cope with the idea of doing marketing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and to your point, though, uh, you, you talked about even during rehearsals, making a little video. Mm -hmm. It's important to stress that content doesn't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, it's really helpful if it's real. You know, as opposed to, like you said, like a conversation instead of a presentation. That was a really good, a good way of putting it in our mm -hmm. conversation earlier. Right. And, I, and, and but in, in that, and I'm grinning as I say this, if you think about it, what is the hardest thing to convince an attorney that is okay, that something is not perfect? And I talk about this, I did a, a video internally there. I talked about um, there was a study done that the lowest ranked quality characteristic or personality quality of an attorney is resilience. And it's because they have spent their entire educational career and their, their professional career being in a, a role that you have to be perfect. Right. So you're now trying to tell somebody who has spent the last God knows how many years being perfect or trying to be as perfect as possible that you can be real and you can make mistakes and it actually adds value. Like the concept of that, and, and, and as I talked to some of my attorneys, you know, the concept of that is actually funny to say, Hey, look, I understand this is what you've, what you've learned all through, through college and law school and throughout your career is to be perfect, but you're now going to be doing sales and business development. And this is where it's okay to be real and sometimes not perfect. So, you know, uh, a few years ago I was working with someone, and we were talking about video and I said, I said, look, I'm sitting right next to you and I hear you on calls sometimes and some of the information or direction or advice and feedback is mm -hmm. like so spot on. 
When you're done with some of those, could I just turn around with my iPhone, take a video, ask you that question, you answer it, and we put it up. And he was like, mm -hmm. he was freaking out. He's like, no, oh, yeah. we have to go in and we have to be perfect. And yeah. I know what happened. It never got done. Right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny. And, 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 and to kind of piggy, piggyback on that, on that example is that I had a conversation with an attorney once that um, same thing. Like it was a content and I don't remember what the, the service line was, but um, the content they were talking about, if, if he stood there and told me to my face in words verbally, what this meant, it made sense. He got it into layman's terms and made it applicable that I could, you know, and it was a very difficult concept to, to grasp. And I understood it because of the way he described it. Now, what I also said to him is I said, you need to do more presentations. You need to do more videos. You need to do more podcasts because your personality and your ability to convey that is lost because you sit down at a keyboard and you become a living, breathing legal robot. <laughs> go into this mode of I have to type out the code and I have to type out the regulation and I have to type and it becomes a document machine as opposed to let your personality come out. And I think that is something that I don't, I'm not going to say that it's for everyone, but if you can find those attorneys that have that ability to convey their knowledge with a, with the, the right dose of personality, man, jump all over that. Because that to me is a differentiating factor for personal branding for any attorney, for anybody, frankly, but for any attorney in the business. So we've talked about what we can do to help lawyers with their business development. What are some red flags? What are some of the things that could hinder when we have a conversation with an attorney about going about uh, with their business development efforts that would keep them from doing it instead of encouraging them. Anything that you can think about? You know, some of the resistance that I've seen in the past has come from, and, and this was a learning for me and it's, it's, I've become a lot more efficient about it. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very aware of it when I have these conversations is here are all the things you have to do. And so in their mind, they're calculating. So if, if you imagine both of you standing there talking, they're calculating in their mind what they think, from a time perspective, it's going to take. While they're doing that, they're also rolling in their billable hour cost. So I don't understand as the attorney, I may not understand what you're trying to get me to do and I don't really necessarily understand how long it's going to take me. But in my mind, this has now become a three hour process and if I'm a $600 an hour attorney, that's $1,800 you're asking me to do on something I'm not really quite bought in on, I don't think so. <laughs> and so I think what I've gotten, gotten better about, now it's not a perfect science, but it's much better than it used to be, is let me tell you in, in, you know, if I can borrow you for a few minutes, let me give you a 15 minute tip that will com completely change how you do your business development. Quantify the time ahead of time. Simplify it. Because again, you know, and, and I say this with all the respect in the world, there will be a, a cultural disconnect with certain attorneys where we go talk about it because it's what we know. But if they came to us and just started spouting whatever legal, you know, legal expertise they had just you know, as, as a raw form, chances are we're not going to understand what they're saying. So it, it all comes back to making sure that you're very precise, that you're very efficient, but preload the expected time. And we, you know, we talk about, we, we had a seminar the other day where we talked about um, social media and LinkedIn and, and, you know, dedicating time and the, the correlation that I said, you know, 
dedicate 15 minutes a day. Look at this as if it's, if it's your, your, your social media health, your, I'm your social media fitness trainer. Spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day, three days a week, four days a week if you can make it happen. In 15 minutes a day, you can actually turn a potential $10,000 earned media value just off of a couple of clicks. So I'm quantifying the time that they're gonna to need to invest. I'm also you know, looking at options where I can maybe quantify a result, but it's stressing that if you do this in 15 minutes, you, here's, the, here's the value out of the back end. So now they're not looking at it as, I've gotta go spend three hours because I don't understand this. It's I now, I now know the quick and dirty tips on how to get this done in 15 minutes. And then if you get them comfortable with that, they will repeat it because they will see the value in it themselves. Wow, great stuff. I mean, these are some great tips. I, um, you know, we're running out of time. Mm -hmm. But uh, before we go, well, first of all, like, I want you to let people know where they can find you. And I, I, sure. I have one question I'm going to put you on the, totally put you on the spot. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it yeah. on. I, I, will, I will use your cope mechanism and I will get through it. <laughs> okay, very good. Um, so, yeah, where can folks reach you? So I'm, I'm on social media. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Rich Bracken one. So R I C H B R A C K E N one. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I, I, I love meeting people, especially colleagues in the industry through LinkedIn and, and sharing content and really learning from each other. I think our legal marketing industry is, is very unique in that sense that is while we do compete and we all, you know, it's a, it's a friendly competition. Um, we're all very much trying to engage and, and network and, and strengthen each other as well. Absolutely. So I think that's fantastic. So Twitter and LinkedIn are the two best places to find me. Um, I've also got my own personal website, uh, richbracken.com. So you can find me there and all the Fox News uh, segments and some, some cool new stuff that I've done is, is landed there. So the question is a bit of a futurist question. And there, ah, I like it. And there is a, you know, there's a segment of the legal, uh, in the legal profession uh, where there is a law, a legal, when a, a law futurist um, mm -hmm. uh, expertise. So where do you see the profession going and how can, more, more specifically, how can marketing, sales, and business development play a role? Sure, you know, and, and I, 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 I'm really kind of geeking out of this answer right now because after going to um, LMA National, I, I spent the entire time there going to data, um, AI conversations, very hardcore analytics stuff because that is, that is where I really wanted to strengthen myself and I, I feel extremely confident coming out of that just from the sessions that I sat in and all the subsequent readings that I've done since then. Um, obviously, I think, you know, uh, you, you can't have a legal marketing conversation these days without saying AI. It's almost, you know, required. But I, you know, I truly think that AI is going to be a, a fantastic addition to the legal industry. And I say that because it's going to make attorneys who are generalists or attorneys who need to, to find a niche, they're going to get there quicker because they're going to understand that this is coming whether they like it or not. And especially now that you have clients really asking for it and really looking for efficiencies and, you know, technological innovation and, and think they're, they're expecting that of the law firms now. So you can't have, uh, you know, your clients on mass asking for something and you can just say, well, no, we're just going to stick with paper. Um, so 
that's, that's going to be an inevitable change that we're all just going to have to adapt to. And where I think marketing and business development and, and sales really kind of plug in. So I'll kind of divide it into two sections. One, I think client service is paramount. It, you know, I've always been very adamant about how uh, either I as a, as a sales rep or, or my companies service our clients and take care of our clients and communicate with our clients. And I think now more than ever, we have too many ways to communicate. So we better be using all of them. We better be using as much, you know, we don't have any excuse to not communicate with our clients. And we don't have any excuse to not reach out to them and be more effective in the client touch point. Um, nothing will ever replace to me because I'm kind of old school like this. Nothing will ever replace the face-to-face -face conversation with a client because I think there's, there's just untapped value in that that you can't replace with a tweet or anything else. Um, so I think client service, if you have a client service department in your firm, that is going to be a huge differentiator for a lot of firms. Um, from a marketing and BD side, from a data analytics side, I think it's really going to be making their efforts more efficient. And I think it's using the backend data on websites, on you know, apps, if you build an app for your, through your firm, which I think is, is another thing that a lot of firms, you're gonna see more and more firms doing that that aren't, or that haven't been in the past. And so the data analytics that you can find from, from your app, from your website, from your, uh, your email tracking, from your social media tracking, from all those analytics, you take all that data and you have the answers to a more efficient business development process. So, you know, examples are, you know, if you look at something where you can kind of track, okay, ge geographically, where are we seeing are there our trends or where are we seeing trends from a, from a client standpoint? Are we getting certain companies or certain uh, clients that are coming to different events? Taking all that data, bringing it into one clean focus can actually pinpoint where you want to spend your time as opposed to saying, well, who do you want to go after this year? Or who are you targeting this year? You know, it, instead of a blind shot, you're actually becoming more laser focused on who you should be talking to and who you should be investing your time in. So that to me, once your marketing and business development team wrap their heads around that and how to, how to leverage that content and how to make it actionable as quickly as possible, there is where you, you kick in the booster on, on differentiated and, and differentiated competition. And I think that is where the, the race will be. So it's gathering the knowledge, gathering the data, and then figuring out how to make it actionable. But I think that is, that is the, I, I won't say it's a, a far off future. I think it's a near future. But I think it's a, it's a critical, critical point for comp, you know, from, competitive, um, from a competitive standpoint that you have to get to that point. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, just marketing automation, gathering the data from that automation, and then uh, and using that data to track the behavior of clients and prospects. And just yesterday, we, no, actually earlier today, we published a, our, la, our prior podcast episode, mm -hmm. Yolanda and Cartuciello, and she is all about client journey mapping. And it was really fascinating, because you're right. I, I often say that legal competence for lawyers, that's like table stakes, right? People, people like expect that, and that's mm -hmm. what you offer. So, um, it's it's what it's what you do beyond that and it's all right. about client service and in order and it's not like the old days of client service right say oh right. We'll, we'll give them a call no you really have to know what clients want where they live how they think mm -hmm. um, and and have that 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 level of engagement absolutely
I mean, uh, yeah, we we are right there, and, and I I think that is just it's so so important. I think it's I think too. I think there is a there is a value to some of the old school thought. So while things get shiny and futuristic, I think there's still going to be some old school thought and and with the right clients of, you know, come see us, come spend time, you know, spend time with us, come have lunch with us, come give us a CLE. Those those in person touch points. Don't let digital become the enemy of perfect client service and perfect client touch points. Absolutely. Okay. One final question. Yes. Um, do you have a favorite book that you <laughs> did recommend? Now, Rich, it doesn't have to be. It could be on marketing. It could be on business development. But I know you're sure. really into self improvement too. So, right. um, any around any of those topics. I, you know, I, I, I will answer this. I'm, I'm trying to think of how I, I'm almost jotting down my four favorite books in one word so I can just read them as one word. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a couple and I'll talk fast so I can get them all in. The number one book that I recommend to everybody right now is The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That is a must read. She, she has a fantastic TED Talk online. She did a great interview with Lewis Howes on the same thing. Um, the, the Five Second Rule is a must, must read for decision making and leadership. Um, Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey, who is traditionally a financial guy. Uh, Entree Leadership is a phenomenal book as far as developing your leadership skills and developing uh, team communication and team building and everything else. It is one of, I, I sat in on one of his one day summits and was blown away by the thing. Uh, he also has a phenomenal podcast. So both a book and a podcast for Entree Leadership. Um, the one thing, and I, I'm struggling, I think it's Gary Keller from Keller Williams. Uh, another phenomenal book, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying those because I think by now, um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek is, has become the, the marketing Bible. So I don't think anybody can, can, can claim that they're a marketer or a business development person without even having a knowledge of that book. So um, that's always going to be a go-to, but uh, Five Second Rule, Entree Leadership, and The One Thing are, are my three favorite books right now. Yep. I, I tell you, I agree with you. Those are, those are great. A couple of them I haven't heard about which mm -hmm. I'll definitely put, add to the list of books to buy, to put on my dresser that I've yet to read. <laughs> yeah, I have the exact same book in my office at home. I, have, I literally have a shelf of just read, yep. and I have a shelf of two reads. So I have this queue of books about 10 deep right now because I keep reading things and keep hearing somebody recommend a book. So um, I'm adding three more to your list and three more to everybody else's list that has the same problem that we have. Okay, very good. And I will, I will second your Simon Sinek book. I, I mean, I can't get enough of that guy. Right. Uh, his TED talk is amazing. And I've, I've heard him speak on other topics and I highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, and the, and the last one I'll, I'll recommend that is both a book and a podcast is Lewis Howes, uh, The School of Greatness. He has a phenomenal book and his podcast, I am addicted to his podcast. He was, um, he was one that we were talking about earlier before the show started. And, uh, I, he's the Entree Leadership Podcast and the School of Greatness Podcast. I cannot get enough of. I just can't. Uh, all right, so I'm going to add that to my podcast. Another awesome. another book for your dresser. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it means that I just have to go to the gym more so that I can listen to more podcasts. See, it's it's all it's it's all you know. It's it's coping with different. You know, it's, it's <laughs> how do I leverage my time to to read and absorb podcasts? And it actually, oh, it makes me go work out too. So hey, it's all about deconstructing your time, right? Absolutely, it's a win-win <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Hey, Rich, it was so great. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did as well, Tim. I appreciate you having me on. And I think that, that our listeners will get a lot of value from it. Uh, before we go, I just want to remind our listeners that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. 
Uh, you can also go to our website, goodtobesocial.com, for the show notes of this and other episodes. Thank you so much, Rich. And thank thanks, everyone, for joining us on the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast. See you next time.